If you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Hosea, the book of Hosea, and some of you right now are like, I got no idea where Hosea is. If you go to the book of Daniel and you turn right, you're going to come to Hosea, first of the minor prophets. We've come to the end of a new year. We've come to the end of 2023. Some of you look back on 2023 and you say, it was the best year of your life yet. Hallelujah. You look back and you have some memories you want to hold on to. You just want to keep reliving them. And that's great. We rejoice in that. Others of you look back on 2023 and you go, I'm glad it's in the rearview mirror. There's a bunch of stuff I just soon forget. Can we just please move on? And I suspect many of us are somewhere in between, right? Just a mixture of highs and lows, of joys and sorrows, of dreams and disappointments, and all the things in between. But ready or not, tomorrow we flip the calendar to 2024. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) And so if I had to give a verse to kind of hang as a banner over 2024 for our congregation, it's the verse we're looking at today. It's Hosea 10.12, and I've entitled the message, Seed for Your Future. Here's what Hosea 10.12 says, Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. I want to look at three promises embedded in this amazing verse. It's one of those where have you been verses as you go through the scriptures, right? Three promises here. Number one, we're going to look at God's promise to us in times of despair. And then secondly, we're going to look at kind of the human element to we have a part to play in the future we long to see. And then thirdly, in the midst of everything we're involved in, we are a people who are totally dependent upon God to send the reign of his spirit to bring about the future we long to see. So we're going to look at these three things together from the book of Hosea. Now, background on this book is Hosea doesn't get a lot of press, rightly rightly so, because as pastors, we find it to be one of the most awkward sermon illustrations, perhaps in the whole Bible. And the backdrop to Hosea is that Hosea is a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. The northern kingdom of Israel had, for 200 plus years, been hard-headed and hard-hearted towards the things of God. They weren't interested in the way of the Lord. They had been all caught up in Canaanite worship, bowing down to all kinds of gods and goddesses. They were a long way from walking in the ways of the Lord. And they'd been doing it for 200 years. And nine different kings had led in the northern kingdom. Each of the kings had basically compounded darkness upon darkness, evil upon evil. And into that setting, God sends prophets like Hosea, to come and to present the Word of God, to keep the character of God and the heart of God before the people of God when their hearts were turned or their leaders were turned running the opposite direction. This is the book of Hosea. This is a prophet's life like Hosea. And so specifically, Hosea is given instructions from the Lord to marry a woman named Gomer who is a prostitute. Slightly awkward, I know. Stay with me here. So God tells Hosea, marry an unfaithful woman who's going to continue to be unfaithful to you. Build a family with her in the midst of her unfaithfulness because I've got a message for my people. 
Now, parentheses, some of you had no idea this was in the Bible, and you're like, I'm reading Hosea right now. You're thinking, look what you're missing out on. So here's the connection. So God says, Hosea, no matter how unfaithful Gomer continues to be in your marriage and family life, they eventually have children, and Gomer continues to sleep around and be unfaithful uh, to Hosea. Hosea, you keep loving her, you keep pursuing her, you keep bringing her back. You keep bringing her back to you over and over and over. And in this, God says, I'm going to say to my people, you are like Gomer and my heart of covenant love is like Hosea. That's like the big picture of the book of Hosea. Pretty poignant slash awkward illustration, yes? I think it would even get the attention of those who were pretty hard-headed and hard-hearted towards the things of God. So this is why you read passages like this, Hosea 3.1. I think I put this in your notes for you. The Lord said to me, go show love to your wife again, though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Now, sacred raisin cakes were those things that were used in sacrifices to the pagan god Baal. So he's calling out the way they've been bowing down to all these other gods and goddesses. And he says, no matter how far Gomer strays, don't give up on her. Because God says, I want my people to know no matter how far they stray, no matter what they stray into, I will not give up on them. My covenant-keeping love will break through. And so this is the first of our three layers of the book of Hosea today I want us to look at that's kind of framing our entry into 2024. I want us to see God's promise to his people in times of despair, that this is God's heart posture towards us. No matter how we end a year and enter a new year, no matter what we stray into, no matter how long we stray into it, no matter who we've strayed into it with, here's the promise we get from the book of Hosea all through the scriptures is that even when we've given up on ourselves and others have given up on us, God's covenant-keeping love will not stop. He's going to keep pursuing you. He's going to keep coming from you. He's going to say, you're not beyond my grace. I know you think you're beyond my grace. I know others have given up on you. I know you've given up on you. Perhaps that's where the end of this year finds someone this morning. Maybe you come here this morning, or maybe you're listening somewhere online, and you would say you're farther away from God than you've ever been. Maybe if you were honest, you'd say you've been pushing away every attempt at anyone trying to extend a hand of mercy and grace to point you back to the Lord. You've been pushing away. You've been pushing the tugs and whispers of the Holy Spirit away. You've decided you've got it all figured out. You're smart enough and strong enough to handle it on your own. If that's you, Hosea reminds you, even when your heart is turned in that level of away from the Lord, God's never turned his heart away from you. And perhaps this morning, as we shift the calendar, could there be a shift in your heart? If today you would turn your face back to the Lord, here's what you'll find. His face has always been turned towards you in love, always. That's God's promise. I find a lot of hope in that. Does anybody else find hope in that? Because I don't always get it right. I make a plenty of mistakes. I fall on my face. I sin against God. I sin against others. And what I find is when I just turn back to the Lord, He's always there. His love and His grace and His mercy are sufficient. 
And even when I try to help others who've convinced that they've just gone too far away from the Lord, what I can guarantee them is the God who sent Jesus through Advent season as light in the darkness, he says to you, you are not beyond his grace. As you've heard me say many times from this stage, if you're not dead, you're not done. If you've got breath of life in your lungs, God's still coming for you. And why not the last day of 2023? Why not today be the turning point? I find a lot of hope in that personally, and I find some hope in that collectively for us, particularly as a nation in the cultural moment we're navigating. There's no lack of things to be discouraged and in despair about when you look broadly at the cultural moment. We spent this past week, we spent a few days in our home state of Iowa where Kendra and I grew up. We went and saw some family for some Christmas gatherings. And I I know you've noticed that the state of Iowa has kind of had front page news, perhaps not the front page news they've wanted this past month. Because in December, at the state capital of Iowa, the Satanic Temple decided to set up a holiday display. Have you been reading about this? And so they set up a holiday display in the state capital of Iowa by the Satanic Temple. I mean, that's that's the group that put it on. Let's just say it doesn't look like the manger. There's been a lot of turmoil in the state of Iowa over this issue. And then in our own state of Indiana, if you weren't aware, this past September, in our own Indiana State Capitol building, there was a group who hosted a free concert. The name of the group was called the Satanic Planet. And they hosted a free concert in the Indiana State Capitol in the middle of the day, and they entitled the concert, Let Us Burn with the image of an upside-down cross. Now, I had images from all these, I had images for you to see from these gatherings. It's family worship. Kids are here. I decided that's not wise. Does that tell you everything you know, need to know about the images? You can Google it on your own. Kids, just trust your parents when they say, hey, it's not probably an image you need to have in your head. My point is, are we that far away from bowing down with sacred raisin cakes? We've got altars to satanic temples in state capitals in our own country today and as you heard me say this past year we've actually inserted words in our vocabulary this past year for people who have decided that it's an actual thing to marry themselves sologamy it's a thing and you compound that with the latest data and research you go on to our mental health experts and our doctors, and they talk about the general condition of humanity in America these days. When you look at anxiety and depression and the suicide rates and loneliness, you see all the articles. You put all that together. Church, I'm just here to say these are complex and difficult times that are filled with despair. Not unlike where Hosea found himself in an environment where the northern kingdom of Israel for 200 plus years had been going down that road. And here's what we can anchor ourselves to. The first principle this morning is God's covenant-keeping promise towards his people no matter how far they stray and no matter what they stray into. God's not going to give up and God's going to get the last word. And I find hope in that. I hope you do personally and I hope that gives us a little hope as we pivot the calendar into 2024. God's going to keep his covenant of love. He's going to remain faithful even when we're faithless. And into that setting, he speaks this word. That's why it's an amazing sentence in Hosea 10, 12, when he says, hey, 
nation of Israel, hey, God's people, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love, break up your unproud ground, unproud ground, for it is time to what? Underline, seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. So the second element, do you see the human element, the second layer to this verse? Do you see our part in all of it? There's a human element. We have a part to play in the future we long to see. Two main verbs here that embody it. Breaking up the unplowed ground and sowing the seed into that ground. Do you see? Break up the ground and sow the seed. Now, some of your translations call the unplowed ground. Some of it says fallow ground. Fallow is not a very common term. You don't just roll up on somebody and say, how's it going? So I'm going through kind of a fallow season. That's not, that's not how we talk. But it's a really poignant term. Because fallow ground, farmers in the room, you'll especially connect with this, right? Let's say there's a farmer who has 100 acres of ground that is perfectly good Indiana soil that if cared for properly will yield a wonderful harvest, had 100 acres of a fruitful and flourishing field. But over the course of time, perhaps he lost some laborers, perhaps some other circumstances, some equipment broke down. For whatever reason, he had to shrink the plot of his ground down to where he only had 10 acres that he could really take care of and attend to. The other 90 acres went fallow. Fallow ground are those places in our lives that have the capacity to bear spiritual fruit and spiritual harvest, but have been let go. They've been unattended. They've been neglected. They've gone fallow. And God says, hey, if you want to see a different kind of future than you're currently living, you've got to allow the plow of his spirit into the unplowed or fallow ground. Because in order for seed to be sown, the ground has got to be turned over. It's got to be uprooted. It's got to be tended to. It can't just continue to be neglected. I like what Oswald Chambers says about this. Oswald says it this way. There are lives that are hardened towards God. They are simply a way for the traffic of their own concerns. We are responsible for the kind of ground we are. That's what he's trying to say to the prophet, through the prophet Hosea. Hey, all you northern kingdom of Israel, you're responsible for this hardened, fallow ground that you find yourself in. And now, no man on earth has any right to be a high road. Every man has the chance of allowing the plow to run through his life. Sorrow and bereavement and conviction of sin, anything that upsets the even hard way of the life and produces concern will act as the plow. Follow this. A man's concern about his eternal welfare witnesses that the plow has begun to run through his self-complacency. So our part in all of this is, our part is, I think... I think it would be really healthy for us individually and collectively as a church if we just entered 2024 and do a little fallow ground audit. Can we all commit to do that together? As you spend a little time this first week of the new year, could you get a little space and could you get before the Lord and say, God, what are those places in my heart and in my life that have simply gone fallow? They're packed with spiritual potential. They're packed with all the capacity to bring forth the future that I long to step into. But if I'm honest, it's just been unattended. It's atrophied. It's been let go. The weeds have grown over. It's become hard packed. 
What if we're just to be real specific and identify some of those acres of fallow ground in the heart? Could you imagine? And then we invite the plow of his spirit to turn that soil over. So I've been thinking about my own fallow ground audit. As you heard me say, I think, I know, a couple months ago, I was talking about attention. I've been dealing with this issue of attention and distraction. I feel like God wants to repurpose where I'm putting some of my energy of attention and battling this relentless culture of distraction. And God's saying, Simpson, what might happen if you would just kind of do some strategic exchanges here and you would exchange distraction and attention being pulled away on these things and you repurposed it and you let that fallow ground get plowed up by the spirit and used it to seek the Lord, what might happen? And then I came across this called the rule of 100. The rule of 100 says this, if you spend 18 minutes a day for one year on any particular subject or discipline, it'll be approximately 100 hours. If you do that, you'll be in the top 5% of the whole population on that particular discipline. 100 hours. I mean, 100 hours, I'm thinking I could quickly add up whatever Netflix, crack flicks series that, you know, how they just roll one episode to the next and they cut off the ending and they roll, they, they don't have the beginning, it just rolls one episode to the next. And man, you go like six seasons, 12 episodes, one, that's 100 hours. It's like, hey, what if, we, what if we were to go into some of the fallow ground of American kind of numbing amusement and entertainment? What if we went into some of that space? What if we were to allow the Spirit to turn some of that ground over? What if we repurposed some of that time to seek the Lord? Whew, I wonder what would happen in my heart. I wonder what happened in the heart of our church. What if 2024, Eagle, what if 2024, what if we collectively as a congregation gave 100 hours of intentional focus seeking of the Lord? Hosea would say, you might see Hosea 10, 12. Because notice the connection. He says, there's a connection between sowing and reaping. Do you see that? Sow for yourselves righteousness. That's putting seed in the ground. And then reap what? The fruit of unfailing love. Galatians 6, Paul puts it this way. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So the principle is this. You reap what you sow and you store what you reap. That's the principle. So if you aren't satisfied, hear this, if you're not satisfied with the current harvest of your life, then you need to change the seed for your future. That's the principle here. Hey, Northern Kingdom of Israel, if you want to like wake up and see this is the direction your life is going, down a hill of darkness and destruction, if you don't want to keep going down that way, you need to sow a different seed in the ground for a different future that you long to have. When we're in times of despair, times of decline, that's the word. Sow a different seed to reap a different future. So you sow hope where there's despair. You sow love where there's hate. You sow passion where there's apathy. You sow rest where there's exhaustion. You sow peace where there's anxiety. You sow truth where there's confusion and chaos. You sow mercy and grace where there's anger and division, you sow a different seed to reap a different future. So break up the fallow ground 
and get some seed in that ground that's in line with the future you know God wants you to have. That's our part, church. The promise is God is with us and God is for us. His face is turned towards us no matter how dark and difficult and filled with despair, no matter what mess this coming year holds, God's face is turned towards us and he's looking to his people and he's saying, Are, is there anyone who's willing to let the plow of his spirit go into some fallow ground, turn some ground over and get some seed in that ground for the future that he wants us to have? That's our part. Can you imagine what 2024 might be, church? I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful if we covenant together to get the right seed in the ground, to reclaim some places that have been unattended. And then all this is brought under a banner of the third element here. For such a time as this that we're living, Hosea says to his people, hey, trust that God is with you. Get the plow in that ground. Get the seed in that ground. But here's what you got to know. Huh? our total dependence upon God to send the rain. God's got to send the rain. Look at verse 12. He says, Until, seek the Lord when? Underline what? Until when? Until when, church? Until he comes and showers. Do you see the imagery? Righteousness on you. Hosea 6, he kind of hearkened to this imagery. Look at Hosea 6. I put this in your notes. Come, let's return to the Lord. Hosea is calling out to the people. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us. Then we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. Do you see that? There's this image. Every farmer knows this. You can have the best soil. You can have the strongest seed. But until the rain comes, nothing's going to germinate. So he says, hey, God's people... Get the ground plowed up, get the seed there, and it's time to seek the Lord and to call upon him until what? Until he sends the rain of his spirit with such density showering down on his people that it will bring forth the harvest that we long to see. You've heard me say several times in 2023, revival in the church brings renewal in the nation. There's no lack of conversation going on with God's people in a lot of settings about all the things they'd long to see shifted and changed in our nation. And I thank God through Hosea, good word for us now. It starts with revival with his people. Revival in the church springs to renewal in the nation. And do you know it's been 117 years since we've seen an outpouring of the spirit that history would mark as a great spiritual awakening? 117 years. And when you study revival history, here's what you're going to find. The consistent theme is when God's people are in kind of a space of decline and despair, that's when he sends the rain. It's in those settings, it's Hosea 10. It's when it looks dark and when it looks bleak, when it looks like it's game over, God steps in and says, that ain't game over because my covenant keeping love is going to get the last word. Here's the rain of my spirit. He often sends it that way. In times when people are just turning away farther than they've ever been. Leaders turning away farther than they've ever been. When a culture kind of mocks godliness 
and celebrates godlessness. In that setting, in those moments, God often steps in and sends the reign of His Spirit to turn the heart of His people and to change the heart of a nation. That's what He does. And so, church family, I'm more convinced than ever, as I stand before you on the last day of 2023, I'm more convinced than ever that this is the time to seek the Lord. This is His call to us. It is time to seek the Lord. It's time. Until when? Until he sends the reign of his spirit. Now, when he sends the reign of his spirit, our work is what? We got to make sure and reclaim some fallow ground. And church, we got to get some seed in the ground. We got to get the right seed that's positioned to the right future. And when the reign of his spirit comes, the crop springs forth that we long to see. That's our role. It's time to seek the Lord. And some of you have been stopping me over the last several months around here saying, hey, Pastor, what's going on with you? What's stirring inside? You're more stirred up than you usually are in your stirred upness. You're more intense than your usual intensity. I'm a fairly intense person. You're like, you're, you're, you're more intense than you. You're more focused than your usual focus. What's going on with you? I think it's this, church. Sometimes you just get to these places where you can just see a little more clearly, perhaps a little bit like Hosea was doing, and say, you know what? Unless God steps in and sends the reign of his spirit, that's our, we need, it's time to seek the Lord. That's the only way out of the path that we're on as a church and as a country and as a world. Young people, I know you're super stirred up about how jacked up some things are going on in the world today. You are right. You are seeing things accurately. But I want to encourage you, young people, you know what the posture is? You've got to double down on seeking the Lord. You got to say, I'm going to cry out and call out to God to see the future that I long to see. And unless he sends the reign of his spirit, we've got no shot. We're not going to legislate our way out of this. No election's going to get us out of this. It's not going to be about programs and personalities and methodologies. It's going to be an outpouring of the spirit of God on the people of God who've turned up some fallow ground and gotten some seed in that ground. And so it's time, church. Yeah, I'm pretty stirred up. I'm with Louis Giglio. I'm super fired up about this week because we've got 20 of our high school and college students going down to Atlanta, Georgia. Louis Giglio, Passion City Church in Atlanta. They're hosting a gathering at Mercedes-Benz Arena. Yeah, you heard me say it right. Mercedes-Benz, the football stadium. 70,000 high school and college students are going to be in Mercedes-Benz Arena Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Man, you talk, send the rain of your spirit, Lord. God comes where he's wanted. I promise you, the group at Mercedes-Benz Arena wants the Lord. <laughs> I hear the, the word is when you're in downtown Atlanta this week and this group is singing and worshiping like they will be, I hear it echoes through the corridors of the streets that stops people on the road. And so church, I want you to join me. Let's commit, those of us who are staying here, as we send this group of 20, we've got 20 students and four leaders going. Let's commit Wednesday night, Thursday, Thursday night, and Friday. Let's commit to pray. God, send the rain. Send the rain of your spirit on these young hearts and lives. What might happen with 70,000 deployed from I don't know how many nations, thousands of college campuses, what might happen if they went back to their campuses? It was Louis who said, I put this quote in your notes. 
the value of the possession is seen in the intensity of the pursuit. Church, these are intense times that we're living in. As I look at 2024, I don't see the intensity factor going down. Complex, intense. And listen, we're all going to have a lot of pursuits and a lot of things this coming year. Students, you're going to be pursuing all kinds of things at school, rightly so. Those of you on the career front, pushing hard for the next thing at work, next promotion, next accomplishment, financial goals, physical body health goals, marriage and family life goals, ministry goals, all those things are good and important and necessary. But hear this, I think there's one pursuit that is worthy of our best of all of it. Like the best effort, the best energy, the best focus, the best attention. I think Jesus is worthy of all of that. And so the intensity, hear this, the intensity of our pursuit has to match how we value the prize of the possession that we have in him. Like I believe with every fiber of my being, Matthew chapter 13, that Jesus is the pearl of great price. He's the treasure buried in a field that's worth the whole field. There's nothing like him. Nothing compares with him. At the end of the day, no one else is going to be there. When you get to the end of your run, it's only Jesus who will be there. He is the greatest prize. And that means the intensity of our pursuit needs to mirror and reflect the value of that possession. Or to say it another way, the intensity of our pursuit has to at least match the intensity of the times in which we're living. It's no time to be casual. The pull to go casual and lukewarm is stronger than ever. And so if you want to know where we're going in 2024, we're going right into that ground. There's no space for lukewarmness and casualness right now. No. We're going to go into that space, and we're going to call upon the Lord. We're going to turn up some fallow ground. We're going to get some seed in the ground, and we're going to travail in prayer for the reign of His Spirit to come to turn the heart of His people and to change the heart of a nation. That's what we're going to do. And listen, some of you here, some of you are newer to Eagle, and you go, that's just way, he's way too, he's way out of. The more I read this book, the more I think what we see is kind of excessive and super intense and way too passionate. I think the Bible just says is normal Christian life. It's part of the air we've been breathing as a culture for too long. The pull to compromise, the pull to lukewarm, it's time to stir all that up and say, you know what? I think passionately seeking God for the reign of his spirit, turning up fallow ground and getting seed in the ground for our future, I think is normal Christian life. I don't think that's reserved for the pastors, elders, prayer team, and super spiritual types. No, that's for everybody. That's for anyone who says, I call on the name of Jesus as my Lord and Savior. That's the road we go especially in light of the times in which we're living. So church, it's time to seek the Lord. It's time. So worship team, why don't you come on back up? Here's how I want to wrap this up. I want to pull this together by leaving you with an image. So if you forgot everything else I said this morning, perhaps I can leave you with a picture that'll stick with you. In October of this past year, here's a headline that hit the newspapers. The headline read about California's Death Valley being, see that? 
hottest and driest place in North America. And on August 20th, Hurricane Hillary dumped 2.2 inches of rain in this very area, Death Valley. And it's wiped all kinds of roads. They've been doing all kinds of reconstructions because the rain just wiped out all kinds of things. But then a few weeks later, the park officials started snapping some photos. After 2.2, no rain in the record, all the years they've been recording rain in Death Valley, not one time have they had a day where 2.2 inches of rain fell. So world record for that area. And then a few weeks later, here's what Death Valley turned into. And they're just snapping pictures. They called it a super bloom. Now, if some of you have visited Death Valley, you're probably not, you don't have any pictures in your phone like that. Because here's what they found. Underneath the dry, barren, salt flats of Death Valley, what were there? Seeds. Millions and millions of seeds. And what did it need? It needed the rain, a density of rain to hit the seed, and then a spiritual super bloom. Okay, church, if you want to know what my prayer is for 2024, I'm giving you an image for my prayer for 2024. For your heart, for my heart, for our heart, for our church's heart, for our nation, and for our world. I am praying that this would be the year when we take back some fallow ground in Jesus' name. Enough's enough. Why are we going to distract our way to eternity? Are we just going to scroll through one series after another, hours and hours and hours on social media? After, when are we going to finally say, that's the lesser things? When, that's fallow ground. When are we going to go into that fallow ground and in Jesus' name, take it back? Because in your heart, our place is packed with spiritual potential. And then we're going to sow some seed in that ground. Sow some seed that's in the direction of God's future for your life. Why not this be the year? Plow up the ground, get the seed in there, and then let's contend and cry out. Let's seek the Lord until when? Until he sends a density of the reign of his spirit to a degree that will germinate those seeds and bring forth a spiritual super bloom in 2024. That's our hope, church. It's hope in my heart, your heart, our hearts, heart of our nation, heart of our world. That's our hope. <laughs> Which, by the way, what happened with Hosea and all that? You know what? In Hosea's lifetime, he never got to see the spiritual super bloom. For the past 117 years, we've had some very faithful saints who, you know what they've been doing? They've been praying and contending and calling on the Lord and sowing seed in the ground and calling out for rain. You know, there's been generations before us who've been putting seed in the ground. And why not us? Perhaps 2024. Perhaps in God's sovereignty, that's when he says, you know what? I'm going to shower. Sow for yourselves, Eagle Church, Hosea 10, 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you.
May it be so, Lord. May it be so. Let's pray. God, thank you that you're a covenant-keeping God. Thank you that no matter what we stray into, no matter how far away we get, your face is always turned towards us in love. And by your grace and the power of your spirit, would you stir up some fallow ground this year? God, give us a sober-mindedness to do some fallow ground auditing this week. We need a healthy self-awareness of what's gone fallow in our hearts. And then in your grace, send a plow of your spirit into that ground. And then sow some seeds of righteousness that will reap unfailing love. The future we long to see for our kids and the generations coming up, sow some seed in the ground. And then teach us at a church, teach us as a body, what it means to travail in prayer for an outpouring of your spirit. That you'd send the rain in such a way that would be a spiritual super bloom in our hearts, in our church, in our nation, and in our world. We ask it for Jesus' sake.